You're listening to a Roddenberry Podcast. All good things eventually come to an end. Or do they? I guess it all depends on what you leave behind for your legacy. But hey, enough of the title game. It's 7 p.m. and you're with us, and it must be time for Mission Log Live. I'm Norman Lau. And I'm Holly Amos. Tonight we are covering the season and series finale for Star Trek Picard. Is it the end or is it maybe just goodbye for now? Did the finale answer all of our questions or do are we just asking more? Either way, tonight is going to be an incredible conversation because you are all part of the show, either in the Facebook chat or live on the air with us. So you know what to do. You click on the Zoom link or give us a ring by using the one tap on your smartphone or you can call us at 669-968-33 and you enter the meeting code. Where is that? It's right. No, other side. I can't point you guys. It's here. It's, it's over here. One of those two sides. It's, it's somewhere <laughs> in a direction. <laughs> so uh, thanks everyone for being here. This is uh, this is kind of like an historic mission log live. We are here at episode ten of season three of Picard, the presumed last season of Picard, and the presumed goodbye to the next generation cast as we know it. Uh, for a season of Star Trek. So as we're waiting for all of you to kind of settle in and, uh, and, and, and ingest and kind of, uh, reflect on what's happening, you know, and get your questions in for the conversation and line up for the Earl Green Room. Let's say hello to everyone who has joined us. Hello, Narda and Cosmo and Carlos. Let's see how many Pauls we have. We have at least one. Good to have one, Paul. Paul writes there. Jason Smith says Holly is doing genie. You mean I look blue? Do I look blue like the genie from Aladdin? We because been, we noticed that. I don't that. know yeah. what the problem is, you guys. I didn't change any settings and I'm suddenly blue. Whatever. Yeah. And um, yeah, it'll maybe uh, <laughs> she'll warm up in time. She's a, she has a very cool hue about her. But then again, Holly is very cool as usual, right? So, well, but we'll see. We'll see what the uh, conversation brings up because uh, as Jim McMahon says, here's so much to unpack and discuss from this episode. This will be a good one. Uh, I hope you mean the live show as much as the Picard episode season finale. Uh, let's see. We have Brett here, Paul Harf, Paul two reporting, as he says. So I'm, he knows where he ranks in the polls. Thank you very much, Paul two, Chris, uh, right. We have her Heather. Uh, nice to see you. So we have Mark, Mac Esposito, Jane, uh, Jane, thanks uh, for being here with us. Uh, I love seeing a lot of the regulars that we have here on Mission Log Live, but I hope that we have a lot more tuning in because, again, we are discussing the not only the season finale of Star Trek Picard, but perhaps the series finale in total for the next generation. How does that make you feel, Holly? I, You know what's really weird is it's almost like the boy who cried wolf because... We, you know, in 1994, we were like, oh, this is the end. And then they did movies. And then like Nemesis and that, like that, this is the end. And then they announced Picard. And now it's like, is this the end? Yeah. I'm a little bit like, I'm I'm sad, but like, you never know. Like you, I am a little bit trepidatious about truly calling this the end. We also have Paul Troutwine here. Paul number three. So I love how the Pauls all have their own numbers. Even if like they were first or second or third in order. You know, and, and, and called in or like reported in, in, in like out of order. They know that one of them's number one and number two, number three. They can work that out amongst themselves. Uh, Scott Palms, uh, sad face. Yeah, it's a sad face. You know, um, Brandon is the post, is the post penultimate episode. You are not wrong. 
uh, logistically on that. So that's a interesting way of phrasing, but again, technically right. So um, before we jump into it, because we have, I'm sure we have a very robust show. I'm sure that there are people lining up in the Earl Green Room. Uh, let's get to what's going on this week with Mission Log, because not only do we talk about current series, but we also talk about Voyager, which we're in right now in the almost the midst of season three as well. So our coverage of Voyager continues this Thursday with Coda in season three. That's the one where Janeway cheats death. Maybe, kind of. Uh, <laughs> but like Kirk, did she pat herself on the back for her, her ingenuity? So turn in this Thursday to find out. Holly, what else is happening in the Mission Log universe? Well, we've got the Orv- Mission Log, the Orville, and Mission Log Prodigy. And uh, both those shows are available uh, as podcasts and videos, uh, podcast.runberry.com. And you click find the show and you click on it. Uh, there's audio yeah, yeah. feeds as well on the YouTube channel for each show. That address is youtube.com slash Roddenberry Entertainment. So make sure you stay in touch with all of our podcasts at Poddenberry, at Poddenberry? podcast.roddenberry.com. I just made up a new word, you guys. Maybe that's what we should call it, Poddenberry. Poddenberry sounds great. We should put that on a t-shirt. Uh, <laughs> shout out to John Cooley. John Cooley. Cooley, everyone. Cooley. Chat, you know, the, chant the Cooley name. You know you want to. Uh, thanks, Holly. Uh, let's get into it. So uh, forgive me, folks. I really did try to keep this this uh, recap shorter, but it is a long Impossible. episode. It really is. It was very tough. So please bear with me as we dive into Star Trek Picard Season 3, Episode 10, The Last Generation. The USS Enterprise-D speeds towards Earth at maximum warp as an emergency broadcast signal from President Anton Chekhov of the United Federation of Planets declares that a signal of unknown origin has turned our young against us and that Earth will inevitably fall to the Borg. However, President Chekhov believes that as long as hope survives, there are always possibilities. Admiral, well, Captain Picard and his crew locate the source of the transmission hidden deep within Jupiter's gaseous eye. Beverly isolates Jack Crusher as the source of the transmission. Picard declares that what started 35 years ago, no matter the cost, ends tonight. Above Earth, the Borg-controlled Starfleet continues its phaser barrage on Space Dock 1, Earth's last line of defense. Aboard the Titan, Seven, Raffi, and several others storm the bridge using modified phasers, piggybacking transporter beams to corral Borg-infested officers into a locked-down transporter room, allowing Seven and Raffi to retake the bridge with just a handful of older officers. On the Enterprise, data scans indicate that the Borg cube is only 36% operational. Deanna empathically isolates Jack's presence, but also senses that the Borg collective is quietly suffering. As if on cue, the Borg cube lowers its defenses. Picard believes that this is an invitation of some kind and maybe their only way to board the cube, find Jack, save him, and destroy the source of the transmission. Deeming it worth the risk, Riker and Worf volunteer for the away team. Riker and Troy exchange one last longing glance as Picard turns to his friend saying, it's been an honor serving with you all. Aboard the cube, Riker and Worf both find it peculiar that there's no response at all to their presence. They discover several alcoves of decaying Borg drones, making this cube more akin to a tomb. Beverly contacts Jean-Luc with Jack's location, and the three old friends part ways with one last goodbye just in case. As Picard delves deeper towards Jack's location, Riker and Worf discover the source of the Borg transmission. Picard finally comes upon Jack, who is encapsulated in very familiar-looking Borg implants, 
And while trying to disconnect Jack from the system, Jean-Luc finally comes face to face with the Borg Queen, the mistress behind this mystery and who Picard believed dead after their last contact. Meanwhile, on the Titan, Seven learns of the Enterprise D's plan and realizes that the older ships are unaffected by the Borg-infected Starfleet code. She and Raffi begin to broadcast and rotate through fleet prefix codes to hack other ship shields while executing hit-and-run maneuvers, phasing in and out of cloak. Seven believes no matter how futile, their oaths as Starfleet officers must needs protect the innocent, their families, and their children, no matter the cost. Back on the Borg Cube, the Borg Queen admits that she cannibalized her drones to survive long enough to find a new way of assimilation through evolution, and Captain Vatic and her changelings were a means to an end to infect Starfleet from the inside. Elsewhere in the cube, Riker and Worf prepare to disable the beacon, but are swarmed by recently activated drones. The Titan is running out of time as their hit-and-run tactics only expose their invulnerabilities while they're uncloaked, and the remaining crew of the Enterprise have no choice but to destroy the cube itself to cut off the Borg signal before Starbase 1 falls. Data believes he can fly the Enterprise through the cube and right to its power source. Acting Captain LaForge makes it so, and Data threads the proverbial needle straight into the visual range of the cube's power source. Destroying it would save Earth, but condemn all those in the cube to certain death, meaning Jean-Luc, Jack, Wark, and Riker. Jean-Luc knows the only way he can now reach his son is to plug himself into the collective. Once inside, he finds Jack and convinces him that he no longer needs to keep searching for acceptance from that urge which has been the Borg calling to him this entire time. Once his father's words land true, both Jack and Jean-Luc literally tear themselves away from the collective, just as the Enterprise fires on the cube's power source and swoops into transporter range, beams away the team back on board and speeds away towards Earth as the remains of the Borg cube is swallowed and crushed by Jupiter's gaseous eye. The Borg transmission is disconnected, Earth is saved, the crew of the Enterprise-D is safe, family are re families are reunited once more, and Worf is asleep and snoring. In the aftermath of the Borg invasion, and thanks now to Admiral Beverly Crusher, Starfleet tightened security measures to prevent further changeling infiltrations from happening in the future. Seven met with Admiral Tuvok, who shared Captain Shaw's last assessment with her, a recommendation for her own captaincy because she would bring about a fresh change of perspective. Worf encourages Raffi to pursue happiness with her family after a long and hard road towards redemption. Deanna and Data continue to make progress on his newfound feelings, even if she's also planning her vacations at the same time. As for the Enterprise-D, well, one year later, she's earned her rest and is returned to the Fleet Museum in Geordie's care. Shortly after, Beverly and Jean-Luc are escorting a very nervous Jack through the reconstructed space dock to his new assignment, but more importantly, for Jean-Luc's surprise of a lifetime. No, not the Titan! but the USS Enterprise, NCC-1701G. On the bridge, Captain Seven of Nine assigns Jack Crusher a seat next to her as her special counsel. And before departing space dock, Raffi asks Seven what her command order is going to be. Engage? Make it so? What indeed is going to be Seven's legacy? Back on Earth in 10 Forward Avenue, Picard and his crew... His family have a few drinks at the bar as he lovingly and longingly toasts them with Shakespeare as he is wont to do. They all finally sit down together for a round of poker as sadly all good things 
must come to an end. Or do they? As one generation's trial closes, another begins as Jack Crusher is visited by Q, who tells the young chip off the old block that his trial has just begun. The end. Here we are. (laughs) Or is it? (laughs) That was actually pretty concise. I, you know, it was really tough. There's just a lot of fat to cut. And I'm not saying it's the good fat, like the kind that you want, you know, in your, in your meal. But, um, it, there's, first of all, there's the emotional component of all of this. And believe me, I'm pretty sure that I reacted to the same emotional beats. A lot of people acted, you know, out there reacted to, um, it, it was just the very, individual experience i think for everybody Mm -hmm. Uh, and and i think that it was special in the way it needs to be special for everybody everyone had a chance to say all goodbyes are different um and and i think that for some i think people needed to say goodbye i think for some people didn't want to say goodbye and i think for some people are like well we'll we'll see what the future holds because again seeing q at the end of the episode in the stinger that opens up a lot of doors uh, for better or worse for possibilities that people want or don't. And uh, it just, it is for whatever you need it to be, I think. And I'm trying to be very diplomatic uh, diplomatic about it because I don't know. I mean, how did, I know we have like so much to say in so little time, but your feelings, Holly, I mean, like, can you encapsulate this in, in several sentences or less? Yeah. Probably not. I mean, these characters have been a part of my life since I was like, what? I was like a year and a half old when The Next Generation premiered. So saying goodbye to these characters or presumably saying, certainly saying probably goodbye to Jean-Luc, right? Because Patrick Stewart was like, I'll do three seasons and then and then I'm going to be like truly done. I love that these characters got to points that we always wanted them. Crusher becoming an admiral, fantastic. Worf, knowing now Worf made it to captain, which is something that Michael Dorn always wanted for his character, fantastic. Um, so I, I, I really appreciate that, that these characters got to a point that not just that the fans wanted those characters to get to, but that also the actors who portray them. Um, so yeah. if this is the end, I think it was a it was a good it was a good wrap up, and it was a fantastic, shall we say, maybe a backdoor pilot to a new series. It certainly felt like it. Well, I, yeah, you know, kind of Jack asking Seven like, "What's your legacy going to be?" You know, seeing this new crew, uh, this kind of this new attitude with Starfleet, you know, on this ship that's named the Enterprise, and they made a pointed reference of you know you have like a renegade, a thief, you know. Uh, uh, and, and a couple and a of wells now, and a pirate in charge of of this legacy uh, because of what Shaw, you know, um, he 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 kind of, in you know, referenced that these are all people who are writing a different book, mm-hmm. you know, for Starfleet. They're writing a book that applies to the Starfleet here and now as opposed to the Starfleet before. Again, these are these are points of discussion that have been very contentious i think in the social space and i'm going to i know that we usually don't plug the mission log discord this early but believe me when i tell you this the picard spoilers thread that we have on discord is literally one of the most phenomenal reads and sub threads i probably have ever been involved with 
like on social media, because it's not just that people are agreeing, but it's the way that people are disagreeing in such respectful, but overall like 360 degree way of looking at a topic because there's no, I think there's no really other way to look at something this emotionally charged as not only just an episode of TV, but bringing together like the emotional conclusion of a journey that people have been on since 1987 for some Mm -hmm. people, yeah, you know, and, and and various levels of intensity and uh, loyalty, you know, within and without. Um, We have so many callers lined up. And the only thing I'm going to caveat because we have so many callers is that we're probably going to rotate through several of you um, as give you your time on the show, but probably get through you quickly because there are so many people that want to talk about this particular episode, I'm sure in general. So please let's jump to it. Um, Holly, thank you for that. And if we have time at the end, we'll probably dive into one or more uh, discussion points, but let's get uh, rolling with Chris. Hey, Chris, how you doing, my man? Hey, doing good. Doing good. Uh, yeah, I'll say um, pleasantly surprised live action Streaming Star Trek does not have the best track record when it comes to season finales. I think we have talked about that before, um, but they hit all the beats that I wanted and then some, and they hit them fantastically. This is, I think, easily the best or the second best episode of season three with maybe one of the Nebula ones being slightly better. I'd have to go rewatch, but I really liked it. Uh, Really wonderful moment. uh, When Deanna saves them, I like that she saves them with the power of love, but it's not cheesy. You know, like, it's actually compelling and really beautiful. Um, I thought that was a wonderful moment. Yeah. It's also kind of retribution for her, right? Because she's, quote unquote, the one who crashed the D on Viridian 3, which was entirely her fault. But she got a lot of flack for that. So for her to jump up and be like, I'm going to save them was fantastic. And again, to what you were saying, her and Marina in real life have gotten a lot of flack for that. Yeah. She plays along, but yes, it was nice that that was her moment. Um, That was very sweet. Uh, I will say the Shaw thing, I'm kind of divided on. It was a very nice speech. Todd did it very well. Um, But it it feels weird that he was like, I recorded this, you know, at the start of season one, and I didn't tell you. I'm like, you couldn't have told her? That feels weird. Like, you, you knew you were being a jerk, and you chose to continue to do that. Was it, it's an odd choice that kind of like retcons him into, I don't know. Well, I mean, his perspective on her, like, uh, presumably he w- recorded that while they were out and about before everything happened. Because he's like, when, you know, I'm when we get back to Space Dock. Um, so, I mean, it, her essentially getting him into all of this trouble and get essentially getting him killed i mean he he died as a result of of the events that that started with seven basically undermining his orders um you know his his position probably changed for a hot second and then he i don't know i guess recovered his opinion on her when he was on his deathbed i think the difficulty with somebody like a shaw is that you're only going to get the high points or low points in extremists when it comes to his character and in such a limited time frame, you know, because you have so many like people chuckle. I think, you know, with a longer series, you know, you would get the nuance of why he's acting a certain way. It's like the breakthrough scene that Shaw had was when he was doing his, basically his 
Shaw shtick from like Jaws when he's talking about when he encountered Locutus for the first time and mm-hmm. why he was chosen, you know, at random to survive, you know, the destruction of his ship. I mean, that was, even though it was like not the largest scene for him, it actually may have been the largest scene for him, but it. Well, in terms of character so development and us yeah. understanding yeah. him as a character that, and his, his motivations. Yeah. yeah. Right. So in like a 22 to 24 episode standard length season that we used to have, you would have probably had more of that, you know, yeah. and you would have been able to see like the dots connected throughout the course of all these interludes and different monologues that you would be able to, oh, okay, over the course of time, there's the fullness of this character that you would understand. But now it's like, you got this guy, you got personality A and personality Z, and they don't really connect, right? And I think that that's probably... Again, it's it's in the uh, the advent of time, you know, for a series like this. One question I want to ask you, Chris, uh, Holly, and everyone else in the audience out there. Um, so I had three pages worth of notes that I wanted to get to. I know that's an impossibility, but I was going to write them down anyway. But the one note that I chose to highlight above all is: this the episode what you wanted? And the, if this is in fact the end of the next generation, quote unquote, on air, does this close the proverbial book? and leave you satisfied either in part or in full. I, I think because, it definitely, yeah. It, I think it does leave yeah. me satisfied. I think they wrapped everything up really nicely. I think every one of them got a moment to shine, either this week or last week, because they're kind of connected. Um, so I think, yeah, this is kind of, you know, they were pitching it always, the movie we never got. You know, we're going to, you know, avenge Nemesis. Um, and so I think, yeah, I am satisfied if we never see these characters again. I think they are in a good place. I'm glad they got they ha- their happy ending. Um, that's a nice place for us to, to walk away from. I, yeah. I'm certainly happy okay. with the amount of uh, threads that we got tied up. Uh you- so many times Star Trek has in, in recent years has sort of failed to to tie up certain threads that everybody's like, well, what what ha- what happened? I mean, there's a couple of characters that have just basically fallen away that I'd like to know about, but that they, they weren't super relevant to this season. So mm-hmm. in terms of this season alone, yeah, I'm I'm satisfied with with the way that the story is wrapped up for for the characters. I'm going to get to some of the uh, responses here. Great responses in chat. Thank you, chat. By the way, Chris Riker says, of course, it's what we wanted. And yes, it felt good. All good things was the best finale, though. Uh, Jim McMahon says, not 100%, but it did a good enough job that I'm happy with what we got. Uh, let's see here. Like David Major says, I'm satisfied with this as the wrap-up for TNG. Um Matt Esposito said, this is definitely what I wanted. I'm not sure if those feelings of satisfaction would be st- sustained long-term. Uh, Christopher Bunyay, hi, Chris. I haven't seen you in a while. Thanks for being here. Yes, this is a great end to TNG, far more fulfilling, succeeding where Nemesis failed. They should close the book with this cast as a group. I want to go back to what Matt was saying. So he said, I'm not sure that the feelings of satisfaction will be sustained long-term. That's actually an interesting point, um, uh, just in general, because there's so much Star Trek that is ahead of us that do we have even the time anymore to sit with these feelings and digest kind of the and and rewatch and reabsorb and uh, and analyze as we usually do um it, especially when like there was only like one season or one series at a time with uh, star trek uh, strange new worlds kind of like barreling in, in the next couple of weeks do we have time to sit with these feelings to to make sense of them before we have to put them aside to get to the next season 
you know, so that's, that is a point of concern. I think with, I know a lot of people are saying out there, like, give me more Star Trek, more Star Trek all the time. But I think for me, at least it's like, it doesn't give us enough time. This is my personal opinion. It doesn't give us enough time to sit with it just to let it kind of settle and say, wow, that really was what I thought it was. Or that after, you know, subsequent viewings wasn't maybe exactly what I wanted after well, the emotion settled. So I don't know. It's just. Yeah, I'm glad this go ahead, year, Chris, go ahead. Um, like last year, they did the thing where like everything overlapped, like you got a finale and a premiere on the same day. And I'm glad they stopped that this year. Yeah. Cause, I like, mean, yeah, I feel like what they're really doing have... now, what they're doing now is always sort of the plan and the overlap mm-hmm. happened because production schedules got off because of COVID. Um, uh, so I, I feel like this is, we do have a little, I mean, we have about a month of, a little over a month, right? Of, yeah, of a little, yeah. some, some yeah. breathing, it's, some breathing room. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Is it June 15th? I think 15th, it is. 15th, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, all right. Well, thanks, Chris. Uh, I know that we have so much more to talk about. Uh, you know, please keep sharing with us, like uh, your thoughts and feelings and uh, continue the discussion in our discord. Uh, we will see you there, but uh, great to have you here with us. All right. As always. Have a nice night. All right. Thanks, Chris. You too. Uh, let's jump right into Cosmo. Cosmo, what's happening, man? Good old Livingston. <laughs> there he is, the fish. There he is. Yep. You know, he, he comes out of the tank every once in a while. Barkley rigged him up a little breathing system. <laughs> um, so where are you at now? Where are you at emotionally? Uh, you know, how do you feel? Emotionally good. Uh, you know, last week I said I hoped it didn't come down to Jack saving the day and Picard having to give a speech about love. But luckily, at least for me, the writing was good enough. For, for that, the Picard and Jack scene in the in the collective still worked for me, um, and Picard being willing to stay with Jack. So even though it, it was not what I wanted, it was executed good enough that it didn't ruin it for me. Um, and all the emotional beats over this season with the characters we love was enough to wipe away for me any plot hole complaints I have or anything like that. So overall, emotionally, I'm satisfied. Um, it was really good to see Jordy and Data reconnect. And uh, I've said it before, Jonathan Frakes really stole the season for me. And, it, you know, the fact that he was nervous about getting his acting shoes back on, he nailed it. And uh, he was magnetic and as charming as he was in 1990. And um, his moments really landed for me. Do you think that Jack, um, that, that recovering Jack was too quick? Because that's some complaints that I've seen. Well, uh, I, I'd like to know if he just ripped off that faceplate, because by the time he got up to the bridge from the transporter room, it was that off. was gone. Yeah, it was I, um, yeah. For a hot second, I thought that maybe that that recovery was a little bit too easy, but then I think of part two of The Best of Both Worlds, and that felt pretty easy too, didn't it? Yeah. And, you know, I was just watching the clock, though, and I was really afraid they were going to take 50 minutes to resolve the Borg stuff, and then we'd have 10 minutes of happy time. And so when they killed the Borg Queen at the 30-minute mark, I was relieved. And I said, okay, now we're going to have 30 minutes to be able to breathe and see what happens mm-hmm. to everybody. So I was pleased by that. I, I don't mind them rushing through that a little bit and then giving us a nice uh, Return of the King kind of multiple endings. <laughs> Right? Let's Norman get it, said let's get it, Lord yeah. of the Rings off the air before <laughs> we our, came on to. <laughs> uh, one thing I questioned, yeah. well, uh, one thing I questioned, and I know Starfleet lost a lot of officers, but 
I would not place Rafi as the first officer, having a ex-girlfriend or maybe current girlfriend as the captain. Uh, I know the officer pool is probably depleted, but that it, it's not like they never bicker. Oh, wait, they bickered all of season two. So um, having her on board the ship, sure. I mean, Riker and Troy were on the ship, but I think she was either just the wife or the counselor. First officer and captain, that's such a specific relationship that I, I don't like that it's at best ex-girlfriends. Um, and Rafi grew on but me. Does it fall- I- oh, sorry, go ahead. But don't, don't you think that this might fall into the play of this is the book that needs to be rewritten? Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, I do... I do take a lot of stock faith in in that. Like, there's there is the status quo that got Starfleet to where they are, but also got them to where they are. And this is what happened to Starfleet because they fell into a certain level of complacency within the minutia of their current way they wrote the books. Now, you know, I I, I do applaud the fact that not everything that is done or has been done a specific way is the only way, right? And I think that's a a fair lesson learned or at least proposed as, say, a moral meaning or message for this episode. So that's that's the way I took it. Um, I guess the only thing is we'll see. uh, Should make for interesting writing and drama. Um, But... Uh, Mike, uh, Captain Mike, uh, great. Thank you for the save saving throw because I wasn't sure exactly what point I was making, but he said XO and X (laughs) worked great on the Orville. So, there you go. Okay. Again, and, yeah, um, so. I, I saw a lot of complaining about uh, the Enterprise D doing the Millennium Falcon and the uh, Death Star thing. It, it didn't bother me because Data was flying. Data very rarely, if ever, flew the Enterprise D. And so we've never seen it maneuvered by a Data. So, but if it was going to be maneuvered that way, it would be by Data. Absolutely. So that, right. that didn't rub me the wrong way. And the, the last thought I have is, um, you know, I... I kind of take exception to them renaming the Titan. When they gave Kirk the Enterprise A, it was an empty ship that they were giving to the whole crew of the Enterprise. When they gave Cisco the Sao Paulo, that was just a, a ship that they gave the whole crew of the Defiant. The Titans served honorably, and now they're just saying, uh, we're going to rename you. So Voyager gets back from the Delta Quadrant, and they say, hey, guess what? There was a Galaxy-class ship called the Odyssey. It got blown up by the Dominion. We're going to rename Voyager the Odyssey. Here you go. But you guys can stay in charge of it. So that's a little weird that they christened it the Enterprise for me. I think that's a fair point. It's a little bit disrespectful. We did have a discussion about that. There's like a whole thing with like the F uh, and the fans with STO. Uh, that has also been blowing up like on social media, but that's not this discussion. You know, people can have that discussion in chat or again, like online, uh, you know, in the mission log discord. But uh, there is a little of strangeness going on with the nomenclature and the adoption of names. I was kind of hoping that they would put to bed to put to bed to my dissatisfaction when Picard looked at the Enterprise and first contact before they left. And he says there are plenty of names in the alphabet. I'm just like, no, that's not how you treat a ship. The ship has been far more loyal to you than you would ever dream of. And I don't think that that a ship deserves that kind of flippancy. Um, but again, that's that's me. Uh, go ahead, light me up in the chat if you want to. But that's just my opinion. <laughs> um, I just uh, one last thing, Cosmo. Before we have to let you go, we're going to move on to the next caller. All right, that, that's all I got. Thank you. All right, buddy. Well, I, Thanks, I'm, I hope that this fulfilled you, uh, you fulfilled your wants, needs, and desires, and. Um, Maybe it will. It haven't. Uh, if it hasn't, maybe over the fullness of time it will. But I'm glad that uh, 
that you were able to call in and talk about it. And that's the most important thing. And, and what um, the writers did a good job of giving everybody a moment. And, you know, Beverly never had a moment in the movies and she got a couple here. Troy got some, so every, they did a good job dispersing everybody contributed. And I felt fulfilled in that way too. I love tactical crusher. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 20 years can do something. Uh, Paul, yeah. Paul Traubline says, yeah, no, that's just you. I'm like, yeah, I know. I know. Well, I don't think, I mean, maybe it's just a handful of handfuls of me, little pockets of little nitpickers out there <laughs> that are me. Um, before we get to Brandon, I just want to like take a little break here to thank the people who support us. So we're going to be right back with the last generation recap and review and discussion after a brief word from this week's sponsors. Again, that is Star Trek Wines. Uh, I hope, I hope that many of you out there during the course of watching Star Trek Picard season three, that you had a chance to sample some of or collect some of, I think, uh, what's a fantastic collection of wines from Star Trek wines, especially their Chateau Picard, you know, their namesake and we, uh, of Star Trek Picard. And we actually have seen several of the different vintages of Chateau Picard on screen. And the best thing about it, Holly, and we've we've said this before, you probably have a bottle. I have a bottle. I know that mm-hmm. John Champion has several bottles in the office on mm-hmm. display because not only are they real, but they are screen accurate real. And they're pretty. As you can see in the graphics package. So you see the different offerings of Chateau Picard, especially the, the metal, uh, the signature metal etched or recreation of the 2401 vintage, uh, which is the, the it's like the, the wonderful three-dimensional relief metal plate on the bottle that also comes with the, the silicone stopper that looks mm-hmm. like dripping wax. Um, have you, I know that you have the certain wines that you like. I have certain wines that I like. Uh, are there any ones in particular that you're looking forward to collecting that you haven't tried yet? You know what I thought when they jumped ahead a year in this is I was like, maybe we'll get a 2402 vintage at some point. But I've tried them all. I own, uh, well, I don't, I mean, I own the bottle now. I drank it all, the 2221. But they're all fantastic wines. Yeah, Yeah, I have the 2221. The 2386, and of course, we're talking about the 2401. I'm looking forward to uh, getting my next bottle of blood wine because that was one of my favorites. Um, oh, I am going to get the, I, the, 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 the white wines, uh, and the rosé. I'm going to get a white wine and a rosé for the summertime. So that's next. The rise, the special rise and yeah. mm-hmm. rival bottles. Yeah. Those are also fantastic. And the greatest thing about these things are these bottles that when you're done with some of these special collectors bottles, you're done with the wine, but you're not done with the bottle. Those bottles will be on your shelf as a collector for as long as you would like to have them. And they can also reuse them if you want. So please visit our sponsor. You can go to StarTrekWines.com for limited edition Chateau Picard, Klingon Blood Wine, Canar, and many more. And make sure you use our special code Roddenberry at StarTrekWines.com for an exclusive United Federation of Planets medallion for free. So make sure you put that medallion in your cart. Then when you're checking out, Use Roddenberry as your special code, and that will discount that from your overall price so you get it for free. Okay, so remember, StarTrekWines.com, use the special code Roddenberry, and you will get that special United Federation of Planets medallion. All right, so thank you, Star Trek Wines, for supporting us and for sponsoring us. And we're going to get into our next caller, and that is going to be Brandon. Hey, guys, how are you? Good. How's, how's it going? Are you So how do you feel? <laughs> um, I feel, I feel many feelings. Um, 
I I want to echo something that that Cosmos that I really liked that everybody got a moment in this, um, and they were good moments. Um, I loved seeing Beverly crushing it. Um, <laughs> I yeah, it was so cool. Um, uh, I I really liked that we had Deanna being the hero, swooping in, finding them, grabbing them, getting them out of there, and it wasn't it wasn't cheesy. It wasn't any of that. Um. Does it leave me satisfied? You asked earlier, Norm. Um, mm-hmm. I guess. <laughs> that feels the, like a no. The sh- well, so the show had an incredible pilot. Like I watched the pilot and I was like, I think that might be one of the best Star Trek pilots that I've seen. Um, and there were moments in the this last- season in particular. Uh, well, I really liked this season's, but I'm thinking just of the whole show of, 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 of episode okay, okay, one okay. of episode season one. one, season one. Yeah. All right. Okay. Season one, episode one. I was like, Oh, yep. I'm here. Let's go. Um, and in these last two episodes were kind of what I was looking for. I mean, I, I love seeing the bridge crew back in action. They fell right back into the cadence and the feel of it. So, so great. Um, uh, I feel like with, most of the show overall, I could have traded the three seasons for one like really refined, polished season and been really happy because especially as there were so many of these devices of um, keeping you on the hook of that sort of will we tell you, will we tell you, will we tell you? It, I felt like it really got in the way of telling us a good story and letting us explore the characters. Um, so I liked parts of the show but I also found watching to be kind of um, kind of frustrating sometimes, um, as I've as I've voiced on here before. Yeah, um, I mean, certainly the dragging out of us finding out what Jack was, and then yeah. how quickly we were able to get him back from the Borg uh, was probably my main complaint about this season. Because I, I mean, there's literally in in the second to last episode, I was like, just just tell us, like I'm. <laughs> Just <laughs> yeah. Well, I was thinking about that yesterday and how Vadic says it's time to find out what you really are. Two episodes from now. Yeah, God, that was yeah. so like, and it still took us so long to figure out. <sighs> um, wait for it. Wait for it. Wait for it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's time, uh, so but we're I gonna see, be late. I see that you're a, you're a next generation fan. You have to be if you're gonna have a picture of Captain Picard on your shelf in your back wall. So it's, it means obviously something to you. It does. It's actually signed. My cousin was a PA on the Paramount lot when I was in like fourth grade and he got me a bunch of signed stuff. And so it says to Brandon, all my best wishes, P squiggle, S squiggle. Oh, uh, squiggle. That's, that's, a, that's how I read that signature. Um, but uh, no, I, I, I love that. It's just, we took it down to paint and I haven't nailed it back up yet. Um, I think, there are times in fandom and it's happened to me. It's happened probably to everybody at one point in time where we put this aside, you know, because again, I, I mentioned this earlier in the show, there's so much star Trek in volume right now where we just don't have a chance just to let it breathe and yeah. to revisit it at our own time, because we want to be part of the social media schedule. I'm not saying all of us. I'm just saying that that's kind of like the dynamic that's out there where we need to be in the here and now in the presence of the momentum and the tide that's moving forward at a pace that sometimes we're not really comfortable with. Well, the, I, I also we feel watch like, it, you know, it wasn't a thing back in the day for it to get ruined by social media. 
right? Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah like you I know, were- was a, when the la- when this last episode, w- I watched it at midnight in my hotel room in San Francisco because I was so afraid the next day that I was going to see something mm-hmm. passively on social media that was going to ruin it for me. So I feel like that's sure. a that's a huge dynamic shift in the way that we consume our media is like literally for fear of it being spoiled. You're like, I, right. I, I have to watch it now. And and so right. there's and a lot of, uh, uh, there, there's a lot of time lost in like us not being able to absorb it. Yeah. So I think that for some, you know, and, and, or, or maybe not, you know, it's just one of those things, you know, through my experience with things like this, where it doesn't sit correctly. Is it because I'm, experience it at someone else's pace as opposed to my own and i'm not really getting out of it what i want to get out of it because i'm not giving myself the chance to do that as opposed to trying to keep up with everyone who's trying to again stay one second one minute one hour ahead of the curve when it comes to sharing the experience so um that's just one of those kind of approaches that people take with i'm just going to step away and I'm going to breathe. I'm going to take a moment for myself and watch it for why I want to watch it for myself, as opposed to the reasons why I need to watch it for myself. Those are two completely different things. And I think that people have experienced better outcomes when that happens, that they can sit with those thoughts in the fullness of time that they need to. And I hope that that happens for some people, but I can't, you know, I can't speak for everyone. It has worked for me. Um, one last thing here, Brandon, before we have to let you go, we're going to get on to our next caller. Um, yeah, I just, I think, so I, for, for all that made me roll my eyes about some of the story points in the show, um, and even in this episode, I'm actually really, really glad they didn't kill anyone off. I, I saw somebody saying, oh, you know, I, I, um, it's too bad they didn't, they didn't do anything like that. I thought that mm. this was, I'm really happy that they didn't off any of the main cast because that way we get one happy ending, at least in the show. We had a lot of not happy endings and um, I just, it, I feel like it would have been really hard to have stuck one of those deaths appropriately and not made mm-hmm. at least me feel like you did that so that somebody would die. And um, yeah, I just feel like well, that's yeah. interesting because I made a note that I feel like with stakes this high that somebody Probably. I mean, people did die, right? Just none of the main Lots characters. Of I mean, Ro died, Shaw died, Shaw. Uh, Shelby died. So Presumably none of the main, I, I thought, I thought maybe they were going to kill Patrick's character. Like maybe Picard is gone. Like, so, but I wonder how in, I would have felt if they did kill somebody off, would I have felt what you just said that they basically killed, killed off a character for the sake of just doing it and not, and it not truly being like a good reason why. Yeah, but if you did that, then it would have Nemesis all over again. And that I think that's what they were trying to kind of like tie that up because it's all of a sudden, hey, it's Star Trek to the Wrath of Khan, a la TNG. Let's kill the you know, the the wannabe human character because that would fulfill his humanity in some way. Now it doesn't work that way, right? You don't have to tell the story for the story's sake, not because you want to echo the sentiments of an emotional beat that came, what, 20 years before? Not 20, yeah, maybe 20, no, 10 years before, something like mm-hmm. that, 15 years before. So um I can't do math. Anyway, uh, thanks, Brandon, for calling. Um, I hope that, you know, the, the show uh, may have a little bit more value to you later on, you know, and uh, at, at, again, your speed and your time and your experience. So um, people in the chat, something. <laughs> Shelby <Yeah>. isn't dead. <laughs> maybe not. Uh, maybe not. I don't know. Uh, okay, we're going to get on to the next caller. We're going to have uh, Paul thanks, and uh, welcome to the uh, the call, Paul, and for your first time here on Mission Log Live. What's up, man? Hey, How you doing? Hey, 
First time, long time. How you guys doing? I know. Like now, 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 Paul's with us on our Mission Log <laughs> Discord, and he, you know, he participates a lot in our After Dark shows. But this is your first time here, so uh, same thing, just different names in the chat. That's all. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, how so? So how? I'm going to ask you the same question. How do you feel? How do you? I feel at the end oh, of all of this. At the end of season three. I tell you what. Um, this season. Uh, it was mo- it was very anticipated for me personally because I was excited to see my crew get back together finally. That's what I've been waiting for for these whole three seasons to see my crew back together. Uh, yeah. And this is the crew that I, st- I, I started watching um, when I first started mm-hmm. watching Star Trek my uh, freshman year of high school. And I was excited to see them all get back together. And they all got a moment, just like was said before by Cosmo. They all got a moment sometime during the season. Um, my favorite character, Jordy LaForge, uh, he's the one that I most identified with, um, person of color, um, the guy that's aw- awkward around the ladies, you know, mm-hmm. they always, they, they, they all always did them wrong in that, in that aspect, I think, but you know, he's yeah. settled down to be a family man and, uh, to have, you know, he's got his daughters that, and he showed that emotion. Um, he took the con. Yeah. He took the con. He was the most, the, the, the highest ranking person mm-hmm. of the main of the main uh crew now yeah and uh it was nice to see that relationship between jordy and data uh he never got to say goodbye to, to to data he never got to reconcile that uh that uh um that relationship lo- that lost. The closest yeah. Relationship. yeah so yeah, yeah. i think that's kind of like that's where like the buddy system basically started right in like the the whole like star trek you know, lexicon was like pretty much. I mean, I know we had Spock and McCoy, and we had Spock and Kirk, all that kind of stuff. But it wasn't. They they were friends, but they didn't have that that really personal relationship that you saw between Jordy and Data. You know, and that like branched off to like right. you know Miles and you know and Bashir, and then you know later on with uh, Harry and Tom. You know, right? So yeah, I think it really did start with with Jordy Data. I loved, I loved at the end when Jordy was staring at the screen, when everyone was kind of like pairing off, like you had Bev and, you know, Jean-Luc, and then you had, um, Imzadi. And, and Jack and, you know, and then, yeah, you had Riker and Imzadi, but then Jordy looks right at the screen and looks right at his two girls and just smiles. I'm like, yes. and he goes, this is what I did this for. Right. And I'm like, that's a good moment. Right. And, and all of our had to do was act with his eyes. Yeah. <laughs> you know? you know, there was a lot of great eyes. Listen, there was a lot of great eyeball acting in this. I may actually made a note of of uh, Riker and Deanna when Riker volunteers and leaves, and that entire scene. They don't even say anything to each other; they just look at each other, and you your mm-hmm. heart breaks for the both of them because, I mean, they're they're both assuming that they're not going to be reunited. But that's a lot of good, been lot of good eyeball since acting. Eighty-seven, you know, Absolutely. yeah, it's been, and it's also it's earned, but it's also used really well. They're like. Oh, is this the goodbye without goodbye? Like, mm-hmm. I can't do that. I can't, I don't think I can do that. I don't think I can live with that, you know, but, you know, yeah. But they were both, but they were both very professional. Them, right? so. They were professional about it, though. And I think that that's something that they understand that they can't, you know, <laughs> undermine like Starfleet regulations and stuff and like say, it, like they were still being professionals about it. But that's so sad. That Did they you have get to say goodbye to each other? 
Presumably. There's almost kind of like this understood like coldness that was between them. They're still trying to work through, you know, ever since Thaddeus died, you know, they, they knew that this is the job, but is this job always going to keep them apart in some way? They're always going to yeah. be guarded behind the job, you know? So I'm, I'm glad that that's starting to, you know, to, to, to weaken between those two. Like, no, we, the job is done, right? You know, our loyalties are done. We got to start working on ourselves. Um, I would have preferred it if they weren't doing it during a counseling session, but that's just me. You know, I'm going to bring that up uh, for chat yeah. and for posterity, right? Um, but let's say, Paul, so you, you love this cast. You've loved them since you first saw them. Was there any moment in particular where you're like, okay, I can sit knowing that I won't see these characters again. Like I can say goodbye and and for better or worse, they all got treated right. Was there any one moment where you said, yeah, these characters got treated right? Yeah, I mean... Seeing um, Crusher get promoted to Admiral and being in charge of the whole, you know, the changeling, um, um, getting all that extra, that was nice seeing her getting that, get wrapped up, finally getting put in charge of Star Fleet Medical again and getting the promotion with it. That was great. Um, mm -hmm. And I think I think everybody got a satisfying ending in the, in the main in the main cast. Yeah, right. I think so too. Um, so let's talk about one last thing because it's probably going to like, because uh, I wanted to ask this question. I haven't yet. We only have time for a couple more callers. Let's talk about Q. How did that sit for you? <laughs> I've been vocal about this that I was not, I don't think it was necessary. Um, I think that, I think that because I had watched the last episode of second of season two um prior to watching this this, uh, this episode and it hit me again it hit me i had that emotion of you dying and him saying his goodbyes to picard and embracing picard and picard saying hey you're not alone you, you know this might be the end of your life but you're not alone and you know mm -hmm. i remember tearing up at that and then just seeing you come back at the end it kind of just kind of as an end credit scene it, it, it kind of ruined that it so undermines that entire it undermines that entire right. emotional scene between them. And like I understand cues don't exactly exist on a linear timeline and Q even says that, but I think it maybe right. would have been more appropriate in going along with um the the continuation of the legacy if it had been Q Jr. or something. But Yeah. Or or, or Amanda. Whatever. Or Amanda. Or yeah, or maybe a nice end credit scene. That's something I said before in uh, Discord. Maybe we see Wesley, you know, introducing himself. Yeah, because we, we don't know what Wesley's doing, although, you know, Will has a lot of, of his own headcanon about where Wesley is and why he's yeah. not interacting with him. But that's a, I'm not sure if we have enough time for another day. Couple shows to talk about Wesley. A lot of people <laughs> were feeling that. I, I get you. I feel that. So, um, but anyway, thanks, uh, Dubs, for coming in uh, for your first call. I hope we treated you right. I hope you get to call in again and uh, share your thoughts with us because uh, we do enjoy hearing them. So, uh, from the bridge of the Enterprise, Paul Dubs, man, thanks, man. All right, and straight from uh, lower decks, we have uh, yeah, and yeah, straight from lower decks. We have Alan, Guys. Uh, and I'm sorry. I'm not sure if we have time for a serenade, but definitely for one or two thoughts. Oh no, we'll yeah, we'll yeah, no, no, no singing this week. Uh, yeah, down here on down here on the maintenance deck, things are things are pretty okay. Although there's a lot of a lot of action going on up there during the uh, Frontier Day ceremony. It seems like it's a really big, really big party. So hopefully, we can get up there for that. I wouldn't want to be lower decks cleaning up after Frontier Day. That's just nonsense. Yeah. 
<laughs> no, I I gotta say, uh, hopefully, yeah, I, I know we've got a bunch of stuff going through, so I'll try to be brief with some of my thoughts. Um, satisfying ending, um, to an extent, yes, definitely for these last two episodes, yes. Um, uh, for, yeah. for a two-parter about the Borg Queen, absolutely. Speaking of which, good job. Real good job presenting her. Um, uh, reminds me of the scariest freaking thing I saw when I was a kid. Yeah. The, uh, the, uh, Queen Angel- Angelica Houston in Captain EO. Oh. All right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just, just Geiger horror right back at you. Or Geiger, sorry. Yeah. yeah. I, well, I, the, the Borg have scared. And the very first episode that I ever remember watching live, I was exposed to stuff before. Because, I mean, again, I was like a year and a half from the oh, Next yeah. Generation premiere. But the first episode I remember watching live was The Best of Both Worlds Part 1 because the Borg scared the crap out of me. So this this iteration of the Queen is arguably scarier. And I want to point out, though, Alice only did the voice, though. Another yep. actress did the body. Uh, her name is Jane Seymour, and she did a fantastic job. So Not that her. Jane Seymour. Not, no, she goes Maybe by... Jane uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> She actually has her Edwina is her middle name, so she's Jane Edwina Seymour. That's yeah, and <laughs> watching her get made up and uh, when they did that sequence in the ready room this week was amazing. That's an incredible makeup work, and uh, yeah, just just the the look combined with Alice Krieg's voice, combined with just the lighting and everything and the positioning. Yeah, it was. It just it did. It took me right back to being. A scared eleven-year-old <laughs> watching Captain EO, and it was great. Um, yeah, just um, every moment with the uh, the 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 crew that we have grown to love and appreciate. Um, the the fly through um, of the Enterprise D. I've seen that remixed with a, with a couple yeah. of different songs, and it sabotage. works even better. Yeah, oh, I love sabotage. I was like, I saw the Beach Boys one, and I'm like, please do sabotage. And YouTube, you not failed at this point because they came up like right in the next mm. one. I'm like, yeah, sabotage. I want. You know, you had uh, to do it. I want some kickstart my heart. Um, you know, nine to five worked on the Orville, so let's get some Dolly in there. I don't know. We'll figure right? out something. Oh my god. Let's do some nine to five on that. That'd be hilarious. <laughs> Watching Data pilot that to Dolly Parton. Come yeah. on now. Okay. I will say, um, but yeah, yeah, they, 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 they could have trusted Data a little bit more in that moment, right? He's Data. You would yeah, think? he still has a positronic <laughs> brain. I when he said that, I was like, yeah. I mean, if anybody's going to be able to do that, it would be Data. Yeah. One of the handful of officers in the history of the Federation that can immediately lock out a starship at will? I would say yes. <laughs> exactly, yeah. You know, so, yeah. Uh, so, you did you step away from it satisfied, but wanting some things wrapped up? Or, like, I really need to put this aside and let things settle and watch it again at my leisure and figure it out after the hoopla of the of the event? Having watched it a couple times, um, I think I'm actually satisfied with the wrap up. It's some of the 
some of the other stuff that I'm a little bit. Um, Does anybody wonder where Laris is? Laris, yeah, yeah, and what she's doing. Right? Like, I, she's about the only one that I was like, what, 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 what happened to her? Yeah, when when I, <laughs> I think I had read somewhere that uh, actually on the Wikipedia for season three, some sections were recorded in season two and held over. Well, I guess we know whose part that was. <laughs> Because yeah, that that yeah. And, and the because yeah, I mean, a big part of season two not only was letting go of Q. Maybe we'll. I'll, I think I'll save my thoughts on that for next week. But yeah, <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, a big part of his relation, a lot of big part of Picard's journey in season two was learning to accept love uh, as it came to him with Laris and that's yeah that that seems to have been a a bit of a dropped a bit of a drop thread um but overall i think for the for the wrapping up of of the crew and for the enterprise and for the next generation story yes i am happy and uh just to close out my thoughts um you you mentioned in your in your wrap up that uh Picard toasted with some shakespeare uh, i have some adapted and abridged Dickens uh, saluting mm, indeed. Uh, uh, Patrick's perhaps third or fourth most uh, famous thing that he's ever done. Mm. So ah, Picard was better than his word. He did it all and infinitely more. And to Jack Crusher, who did not die, he was, well, a father. He became as good a friend, as good an admiral, and as good a man as the good old Federation knew, or any other good old Federation, Union, or Galactic Republic in the good old universe. He had no further intercourse with the Borg, but lived upon Federation principles ever afterwards. And it was always said of him that he knew how to keep Frontier Day well if any man alive possessed the knowledge. May that be truly said of us and all of us. And so, as Jack Crusher observed, Hugh, I thought you were dead. (laughs) (laughs) Mic drop and Alan is out. Thank you, my friend. Fantastic reading. And uh, uh, we will see you next time because this is the last conversation we're going to have about the finale of uh, Star Trek Picard War the entire season. Uh, We're going to be back talking about this next week, but we have time for... I'm going to... Uh, co-host's prerogative for Mission Log. I'm going to extend this a little bit longer because I'd like to take in at least two more callers, if I may, and then wrap this up. But we're always going to have a little bit more time next week. So we're going to get on to John Arminio here, uh, who's been waiting patiently, and love to hear your thoughts on the finale. Oh, man, I got to follow Alan. <laughs> Yikes. I know. Um, and Dickens. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I'll... Um... I'll follow that up with another with a reference to another perennial classic, uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Um, Love it. So if if I had to pick like one favorite movie, that would be it. Um, and at the center of that is an estranged father and a son who encounter each other after years apart at a moment of mutual spiritual and existential crises who go on a mission to save the world, whose success is inextricably linked with their ability to connect on a familial and emotional level. Yeah. So Star Trek, you you got me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like 
Um, I've I've grown at the pace of how they revealed who Jack is and the secret and the fact that the big twist is that they bring the Borg, even though we just saw them, you know, last season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but the way that they had Jean-Luc and Jack connect um, in the last episode really hit home for me. Uh, and so I thought that made all that prevaricating worth it. And so I, I really felt that the, um, the the emotional resonance of the finale, um, you know, w- was able to close the loop for me on the on the series a- a- as a whole. Even if I have some some quibbles with the way it was handled, well, I think quibbles are going to be here and there for like a lot of us. But yeah. I mean, at, at the end of the day, if, if something you know like this speaks to your emotional core. And that satisfies you there where you can sit back and say, like, I got it. Like, I think it's fair to say that for some people, that will never happen with any series or with any work or with any art form um, that has been long lived and is as legacy driven as the tentpole kind of, you know, property that is like Star Trek or Star Wars or Doctor Who. It's just there's so much content. But if there's something that actually connects with you amidst this entire body of work that's significant I think that's a win and it's not going to happen all the time, but if it happened this time, I think that's fantastic, you know, and I, I, I wish it happens for more people. Um, but the odds are against us. I think at this day and age, you know, when there's so much content that's, you know, produced and released, you know, and then continued, you know, in the span of anywhere between like 40 to 50 weeks in a row, I think it's hard to like, I think it's hard to actually even admit that we truly, truly like or love all of it. I think that the odds just don't, they just don't work in that favor. There has to be some inconsistency here or there in some way. So kudos on that, like connecting for you. And I'm glad you were able to get something out of it, you know, in that sense. Um, Yeah. And I mean, you know, the, the previous seasons of Picard's things that like really stuck in my craw was that, you know, we had to re-traumatize Picard over and over again to have to, to like get to sort of, in my opinion, cheaply get some emotional resonance out of, out of his story. Um, and so I, I was happy that, you know, we got to see him, especially after, you know, his inability to have a family was, was something that, uh, really um, preyed upon his mind, you know, especially like in generations. Um, so, so to see him really connect with both his found family and his biological family um, in a very powerful way um, was was very satisfying. E- even with all the big time nostalgia uh, <laughs> beats that we had along the way. Although I do, I did love like how they ended literally on the same crane shot of the poker game Yeah, from all good things to now. I'm like, all right, that's actually kind of brilliant. <laughs> yeah. You know, that scene was 45. They just shot them for 45 minutes, just playing poker. Like it was, oh, just, completely I was watching improv. B-roll the entire time. Yeah. It yeah. Was just, yeah. I hope that they put that on the Blu-ray when they release it. I just want to, I want to, I want to put it on the background, just like all 45 minutes of them. Playing. Yeah, that, that is something you that just tell. I, I do love about the next generation and its legacy, no pun intended, is just how much the cast genuinely loves each other. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, as much as 
I obviously love like the original series that we don't need to rehash it, but there's certainly a lot of consternation between certain cast members. Um, But to the fact that we can get these moments between the crew as their characters and as people, I I think is, is just great to watch it as a, as a fan. It's definitely special for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, thanks John uh, for sharing that with us. And um, uh, we, again, we are going to have a little bit more time next week to talk about this in full. Um, Maybe you'll have some new feelings and hope you call back. I will. So yeah. All right. (laughs) Thanks. John. We'll hear you next time. Thank you very much. All right, and we have uh, Sherry to wrap up the show. We have one last caller, and you are also coming in from the Enterprise D. It's amazing. Everyone's just like rotating in front of the view screen tonight from the Enterprise My living room, my desired living room. (laughs) So how do you feel? I feel good. If this is like the last TNG thing, I'm I'm happy with it. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, I... um... I will say uh, that I agreed with Cosmo, though, about changing the name of the Titan. Um, that kind of hit a little bit of a wrong note with me. I'm like, I wonder how Riker feels about that. <laughs> that was his shit. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, he had... I mean, I know it, was, it, was, it was a different iteration of the Titan, but that's also even kind of like makes it weird of like, okay, Riker, you weren't good enough. <laughs> right, so presumably the name Titan is like not going to carry on, and that's I think what sort of bothered me is that yeah. you know Titan also had has a legacy, and it, does it just end now? <laughs> I don't know. I also uh, agree with like what happened to Laris. Also, what happened to Kestra? Like, I, I mean, Kestra at the very least gets mentioned. Uh, I don't even. Well, yeah, I mean, she she gets mentioned in terms of like, oh, this, these are our family. It was in the last episode, you know, our family. Alexandra doesn't get when mentioned tr- for some reason. When Troy and, <laughs> and Riker were in the cell together, they talk about Kestra just for like a brief moment. Yeah. Right? And then when they first get onto the bridge of the D, they're like, oh, Alondra and Sydney and Ke- like they're our family, too. And I was like, OK, nobody's going to mention Alexandra. So that's great. But I mean, but and they also mentioned her like no one. Yeah. In the cell, like, yeah, I feel like I remember Alondra, Sydney and. Um, uh, Picard's son's name. Jack. Jack? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Because it's because. Fox? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Technically, yeah. So, yeah. But uh, uh, so, yeah, uh, I mean, she's I mean, she's presumably being watched by somebody as her parents almost die. And I mean, it, they were cognizant of it. They're like, she's not going to have anybody left if we don't get out of the cell and save the universe. Mm-hmm. Um, well, but, I mean, maybe we'll uh, maybe she'll be part of maybe she'll be part of future stuff. You know, there are this is a younger generation of people. Like, clearly, we have Jack. We have Alondra. We have we have Sydney. Maybe someday we'll get to see what happened to Alexander. Kestra might join Starfleet. Who knows? Yeah. I like to see Kestra in the, in the Fenris Rangers. I think that would be cool. <laughs> she just seems rangery. She, I way, mean, she she's you know. very like hunter status, isn't she? Yeah. Yeah. That feels that would yeah. be appropriate for her. Uh, so I like seeing Q this again. Is, so, you like seeing Q again. Did, you, I you do. Okay. Like seeing Q again. Yeah. okay. I, I like the fact that he's not dead. Um, well, he is dead. He only pretended to die so that uh, he could, like, Picard would, like, finally, like, love him or something. Oh, you think that he played, well, like, a weird joke on Picard? Uh, 
No, I think I think Hugh died at the end of Picard season two, but I do think that they tried to rewrite him back into the history by being that's, a non-linear that's a story. That's just my head yeah. of Hugh's yeah. Just, yeah. It was just like him trying to get with Picard. <laughs> yeah. But in the end, he's like, you know, not from time as you know it. I'm like, oh, here's the Doctor Who explanation. Okay. But technically it does work because they can live outside of linear time, apparently, like the travelers. So if that were the case, Wesley can come back if he wanted to as well. And I think that, I don't know, I'm not sure like how everyone else feels about it out there, but I'm going to put it to the crowd. Like, you know, were we on board with him not being there, Wesley, or are we not? I mean, would he have serviced the story or would it have been fan service? Is it necessarily a bad thing? Again, these are not yes or no questions. These are just, I'm just curious to see or hear what people have to say. Um, we have about one last thought from you, Sherry, before we have to wrap up the show. Sorry. <laughs> We have one, one, last uh, one last thought okay. for you before you have yeah. to wrap up the show. I, well, I wouldn't have chosen the board for the big bad, but um, I, I think actually it was a really good end to Picard's arc. I think that actually made a lot of sense. Yeah, I agree with you. And because I, I mean, whole, when they like, when they introduced fandom. it, yeah, when it was revealed that the Borg was the whole situation with Jack, I was like, oh, are we going back to the Borg again? But it is a good rounded out. I mean, because that impacted Picard for so much of his life and so much of how long we've known that character, you know, cause that happened at the, the end of yeah. the third season. So yeah, I, I agree with you. It's a, it was a really yeah. good wrap up for his, for his character's story arc. Yeah. So. Overall, All right, Sherry. Well, th- thumbs up. thank you for calling in. I uh, appreciate you being here and I uh, hope to see you again next week with some more thoughts. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. Take care now. Bye. Well, that was a show, huh? Thanks Sherry. Yeah. Uh, that was a show, Holly, huh? That was, yeah. That was packed. Um, I knew that it was going to go very quickly, but let's kind of wrap up you and I here. So we're at the end of episode 10 of season three of Picard. And um, I'd love to hear, I really want to give you some time, just a few minutes here, just to kind of sum up your final thoughts. And what do you expect now? I mean, I like very clearly the beats in this are are setting up a new show, which I'm very excited about. And, you know, we already know that there's going to be a Starfleet Academy. And I feel like the, you know, the characters that we've been introduced to in this series are maybe you have the potential to cross over with that. So I really am enjoying um, the building of the storylines in which they're now intersecting with each other. It's, it's very, you know, like MCU. And I, I appreciate that. If, that being said, if we never see any of the TNG crew again, I would like to believe that maybe we'll see some cameos if, if a legacy show comes to fruition. But, um, I'm, I'm satisfied with the end of, of these characters. If, if this is the end, I'm, it sounds really sad because Data's my favorite character, but I'm certainly okay with like not seeing Data again, even though like he's in in a body in which he can continue to exist. But um, they've killed Data twice. I don't want to see him die again. So if we can just if he can just end <laughs> on this note and just be happy and alive, and then I don't ever see him again, great. It's uh, it's fair to say, I think, um, that this is has been an emotional journey for a lot of people out there, for a lot of fans. And for the fans that were able to reconcile those emotions and, you know, fulfill uh, their fandom in this last season and certainly this last episode, I am so happy for you. I know that's not the case for everybody, but I do hope that uh, over the course of time and, and revisiting the series, hopefully more often than not, people will be able to find some peace with it. Because if you do love these characters, then they obviously mean something to you. 
and so does the story. We're never ever going to agree on everything always, but hopefully the discussion can continue. And uh, if you want to hear my thoughts about it, you're just going to have to tune in next week where John and I are actually going to come together finally as your two co-hosts for Mission Log and discuss season three of Picard in total. But I do want to thank Holly for being here week in, week out with John and myself, sharing your thoughts and your insights and your expertise. We can't do the show without you. And certainly we had an incredible time covering the series for all the fans out there. So thank you so much, Holly, for being here and for for your time and for your passion for Star Trek. Thank you. And I'd like to thank Terry Metalis for bringing all of these people back and doing a good job. And I'd also like to point out, fun fact, maybe useless fact, but fun fact, Terry Metalis, I don't know if you guys noticed, but he wrote and directed this episode and he is only the second person in the history of the franchise to do that. The first yep. was Elon of Troyes and that was a TOS episode and that was uh, John, Mer- John Meredith Lucas. So, yeah. yay, Terry Metalis, thank you for your service. So, thank <laughs> you, everyone, for being here with us tonight, and thank you for uh, allowing us the uh, indulgence of some extra time. But then again, this was an extra long episode for the series and season finale of Star Trek Picard. So, Mission Log Live is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment, technical production on Mission Log and Mission Log Live by the ever, ever uh, irreplaceable Earl Green. Be sure to visit podcasts.roddenberry.com for the latest from Roddenberry Podcasts. If you'd like to support Mission Log directly, give us a look at patreon.com slash mission log. Again, a special thanks to uh, Holly Amos here, who's been so incredible here on Mission Log for the entirety of Picard Season 3. And thanks to everyone who's joined us live or who will join us later. Next week, John Champion and I will discuss live for the first time as co-hosts for Mission Log our thoughts on Star Trek Picard Season 3, so we hope you join us for that, and we look forward to seeing you all next week. This is a Roddenberry Podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.